toughness and the inability as well. Turnover though by Boston. Now Simmons in transition. What a pass to Embiid by goodness! Posterizes Baines. Simmons all the way in and he gets a slam! Process that. Harris on Adams on the switch. Harris shoots over with a rainbow three. Wow. It's in his hands. You're gonna sit on it. Five seconds remaining. Butler looks like he's going for the win. Butler heaves and hits with four tenths of a second remaining. Jimmy Butler delivers for his new squad. Process that. Hello and welcome to Top Three Protected. We are back once again. Sixers win this time. I am your host Eddie Madrid here with Eric. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, as I just mentioned, the Sixers won big, uh, against the Brooklyn Nets in game two. We won by a final score of 145 to 123. And honestly, it was a bigger deficit than that. If we're being honest, that third quarter was just, uh, huge. Uh, so leading the way for us was Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Ben had a big statement game after facing a lot of criticism for how he performed in game one. He came back and notched his second career triple-double, finishing with 18 points, 12 rebounds, and 10 assists. Uh, Joel finished with a double-double with 23 points and 10 assists. Uh, Jimmy Butler had a quiet game scoring-wise, but he did a lot of facilitating, finished with 7-7-4. Seven, seven, and four. And Tobias Harris showed up uh, with 19-5-2, and two, um, among others that performed well. Uh, Mike Scott, was nice from three. Boban, his mid-range jumper was wet, uh, to say the least. And James Ennis III was back and provided much-needed help on the wing. It's crazy how much better we look when we just have one competent wing out there. That's not Jonathan Simmons, right? Uh, Precisely, especially on the second unit. Yes, and uh, so yeah, that that's the story. Uh, as far as Brooklyn is concerned, uh, they kind of fell apart. In that third quarter, uh, as far as who led the way for them, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie did with 19 points. After him, it was D'Angelo Russell, but D'Angelo Russell kind of disappeared in the second half. Uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson got some burn, I assume, because Ed Davis didn't end up playing much. I think he might have been injured. He only played like five minutes. Uh, and Jared Allen caught a mean elbow when uh, Embiid was trying to do a spin move in the second quarter there. But overall... That was most definitely a flagrant, by the way. You, you can't do that. Yeah, no, no. It was a flagrant. But I, I don't think that was intentional. I don't think he meant, I'm going to hit your face. That's what flagrant one means. It means a, uh, a move that's not basketball related, but an accident. And that's what it was. It reminded it was, me a lot of like the moves. Well, uh, go ahead. What were you saying? I, I was just saying it was an accident more than anything. It's, you know, he didn't, he didn't mean to do that, but you right. can't do it reminded me of the like I mean you see Jokic do it uh Giannis does it quite a bit when he drives it's just kind of like a chicken wing uh elbow I mean Shaq and Dikembe I mean not Dikembe Shaq and uh Barkley were were huge uh with doing this you know when you do that spin move I mean Hakeem did it Carl Malone did it when you do that spin move you you kind of lead with your elbow so that you create space like if you're gonna be close up on me and I'm going to spin, then this elbow is going to meet with you and make contact. Yeah. I don't think he was intentionally going for his face, but overall anyways, great win for the team there, Eric. Uh, what, what did you like out there? What'd you see? I liked Boban a lot. Uh, the game was, I believe it or not, the game was closer than the score, especially in the first half. Yes. That first half. And at times it was like, you know, the Sixers just, you know, 
were playing fundamentally sound on one end and then they'd make a mistake on the defensive end. You know, there were, I think, two three-pointers that were made that resulted in and one. And that's how you let those pesky Brooklyn Nets jump shooters stick around. You have to shoot better than average to beat them. And you have to, you know, withstand their onslaught. They went ice cold in the third and the Sixers absolutely poured it on. And the fourth quarter was kind of moot, but it was a, what, a two-point game and a half, a four-point game? It was very close. It was what? It was, it was pretty, it was only it a, was one, uh, yeah. It was, one, it was very close at half. And that's what this Nets team does. Yes, they went ice cold and the Sixers were able to catch fire, but you know, there were times when they were deferring to Bobby and, you know, Bobby hit it was at his spot and he hit his shot, but you know, you, you want guys like Jimmy Butler, Tobias, Ben Simmons, and Embiid being the leaders in scoring and not relying solely on Bobby, even if it's nice to get a bend, uh, a nice boost from the big men. Yes. He provided a much needed spark off the bench, but I feel personally, like I feel the story uh, for me was, was Ben. He came back and he had a huge, uh, response to all the criticism he was facing over the past 48 hours from the media, from fans, and, you know, even Philly fans, uh, essentially. he You could tell that one, what, the moment uh, the tip-off happened, he was just in uh, a different level of focus. And I, I've said it once, and, I, and I'll say it again, and I'm going to keep saying it because it's true. When Ben is locked in and he's aggressive and he realizes, hey, I'm 6'10", built like a tank and I'm faster than you. Uh, there's not many people that can stop him when he starts running downhill. Now you saw the Nets didn't really change anything how, uh, with how they guarded him in the half court defensively. Uh, they were sagging off him, obviously giving him as much room as he wanted. But in response, what the Sixers did is they would bring JJ Reddick's guy up uh, and get him kind of lost behind uh, Ben's Ben's guy. And so then while Ben is going full force down to the hoop, JJ Reddick slides out to the three point line. And then at that point, there's a little bit of confusion because, uh, and also there's a little bit of, uh, space that's taken away by Ben that he's taking away the space that JJ's defender has. And so he'd have to go around two people to catch up with JJ or you keep the ball with Ben and he gets a layup because of the screen that Reddick set a uh, great, uh, adjustment there by the coaching staff. Uh, but yeah, just Ben coming out and getting his second career triple double, really showed the uh, stark differences, the floor and ceiling of what we can see from Ben this year uh, as far as the playoffs are concerned. Uh, did you were, did you attribute this when you saw how Ben performed? Do you attribute that to just like his aggressiveness or what do you think maybe he just like, do, do you think maybe he thought about it more or what did you see from Ben? I see a bit of both there. It's his aggression, but it's also thinking and the recognition of the game of what is, the right decision to make. Am I looking to drive and put my head down or am I going to look to kick? And with Ben, he needs to do that right away. If he comes in with his mind made up when he's driving, the defense is going to catch on to that. And that's where he runs into trouble. When he's picked up his dribble, he's halfway inside the three point line and there's not a defender in sight because they're daring him to shoot the ball last night. Last night. Was it? Yeah. Yesterday yeah. you saw with Ben a lot of very deliberate decision-making. And when he was driving and he saw that, that little bit, that little bit of space, he was driving for the rim, and regardless of contact, he was going to take the shot. And that's what I want to see. Even if he is going to be weak at the line, you still want to put the Brooklyn Nets in the foul trouble any chance you can. Definitely. And and I do feel like that lack of fear to to attack the basket will be huge. I'm now completely convinced. I, I forget what was the last conversation. we. I know we talked about it on a prior podcast. 
Uh, I completely forget what uh, result I came to, but I'm completely convinced that he's doing this with the wrong hand because every single layup, even when he had a clear left-handed layup and he it was like a wide open thing to his left, he would make the shot like 10 times more difficult by making it a right-handed layup, which, you know, more power to him because he was making them. But, you know, I, I still think it's time to, to, I think it's officially time to acknowledge like, yeah, buddy, you're right-handed. You might as well just switch hands. Uh, obviously that's way easier said than done, but it is something that I would like to see. But moving on from Ben, we also have Joel Embiid. I don't think he, he only played 21 minutes. It was a blowout. So he didn't have to play much, which was great. He still finished with 23 and 10. I still don't think he looks a hundred percent, but still, I feel that he, he had no three point attempts, which, you know, however you feel about it can be viewed as was it necessary. He didn't need them. Yeah. He didn't need them this game. Uh, so, and he, and he did something that he doesn't usually do. Sometimes he does it, but he doesn't usually do. Usually when you see Joel and he gets the ball at the three point line, we'll usually see the pump fake and he'll take like one or two dribbles. If he's going to shoot it, he'll take one or two dribbles. Um, and then he'll do like a little hezzy and he'll put it up. But yesterday we saw Joel Embiid that once he got the ball at the three point line, there was no pump fake. He went right to the basket and he didn't just take that one or two usual dribbles he took an extra dribble and i believe that opened up more things for the team in the end and it made things a little easier not only on him but the rest of the team because you're making the defense collapse a little more uh overall i think i we saw a joel Embiid that you know what you can attribute this to the coaching staff i also i, I attribute it to them i also can attribute it to joel just saying you know enough of this after game one uh, so he, he really wanted to assert himself. He was playing aggressive. Obviously, it led to some subpar moments like the uh, the elbow thing, which wasn't great. Uh, but other than that, uh, we saw an aggressive Joel Embiid who, even though he does look a little slowed because of the knee tendonitis, uh, still was dominant when he was out there, still making plays, still getting and ones, and overall being a force of nature. Uh, how, how did you feel about Joel uh, Joel's game? And do you think he looks a little better health-wise, or do you think he looked the same that he did in game one? He looks better. Um, he, he definitely his first game back in a while. Um, I didn't really count that Milwaukee game. Um, I think with Joe, it's just going to take time and it's going to be day by day with his pain management. And if this is something that's going to be around for the rest of the playoffs, you know, uh, they're going to have to manage that. And today was yesterday was probably a day of low pain. But I think the other thing that's important is, you know, he didn't help anybody by shooting 0-6 from three in that first game. But the Sixers definitely helped themselves out by just shooting average. They shot average from yes. three as opposed to completely atrocious. And that that gives Embiid the option to take the step to drive. Because when you're shooting that ice cold, people are going to say, you know what, just, just take it. I'll give up the open three. And if you make it, so what? Maybe then I'll play defense next go around. But when you're hitting your shots, at least at an average clip, you have to come out and that gives him be the step he needs to drive. Yes. And, uh, as I mentioned, it makes the defense collapse because there's nobody on the nets that can guard Embiid. Uh, this isn't like a Mark Gasol situation or anything like that. So definitely something we want to see, uh, Joel continue with, uh, moving on. So the game, there's a couple little storylines going on in the game. We touched on one earlier. Uh, we touched on two, actually, with Ben. And the and then we also talked about the elbow. But uh, halftime. So at halftime, apparently, Brett Brown went on a... Uh, ripped into the team and cursed and everything, which apparently he never does, according to Mike Scott. Um, he said it was the angriest he had ever seen him since he had arrived. And Jimmy Butler... 
uh he said when he talked about brett brown he was like okay brett i see you he said that uh he came in here said a few cuss words which shocked me a little bit but i like it i love that type of energy uh so brett brown who was facing a lot of criticism as well after game one really laid into the team uh, at halftime yesterday and they responded with a huge third quarter i believe it's a 51 or 54 point third quarter uh which really broke the game open and and left the nets with no chance to to have a comeback uh so much so that no one played none of our starters played after the 10 minute mark so no and McConnell minutes woo yes we got some McConnell minutes who so you and I talked about the point Jimmy thing it looks like that that's where they're gonna go he didn't get any like actual game time minutes uh in the game uh which was smart to do in my opinion just for the series you know there's other there's other matchups where he could be utilized but um yeah so we definitely saw more point Jimmy but so how do you feel about now knowing that Brett Brown went on a curse field tirade and it somehow brought this team to remember how good they can be together uh, and also learning that uh, he doesn't usually do that, which is kind of understandable, but he got, he got his uh, Greg Popovich on last night. How do you feel about that? Yeah, Papa Brett needs to lay down the law once in a while and he's like, look, you guys are you know above average NBA players. You are all stars. You are all NBA caliber talent levels. You are potential MVPs and you are playing against an inferior Brooklyn Nets team who are pesky, who are talented and who have the ability to steal games, but on paper should lose to the Sixers more often than not. And, and Brett had to tear into them. And it's not like a, like a Wiggins or a town situation where they don't respond well to that type of criticism. Banner Joel, they, sometimes they, they need, you know, that little, that little smack to the chin just to be like, Hey, Hey, you yeah, need to be better. Young. You need to be better than this because I know you're better than this and you're not doing well enough. I know you can do better. And someone like Ben, someone like uh, Jojo, uh, someone definitely like Jimmy responds that Jimmy thrives on that. Although to be quite frank, Jimmy Butler doesn't need to be told to show up. Jimmy might have a bad game, but Jimmy will be locked in. And even on nights when he's only putting up seven points, he's still contributing. He's still facilitating. He's putting up seven assists and he's still putting some lockdown defense on there. I like what Brett did. And it's, be- it's good to have that wake up game now, as opposed to, you know, potentially giving one to Toronto when you can't afford to give one to Toronto. Cause you know, you're going to need every chance you get to speak why four times. Yeah. And, uh, but, I still okay. a long ways to go. I still think that need, like I said last year, um, I was wrong, and the Sixers did beat the Heat three times. Um, oh yeah, we did. I yep. do believe um, that that the uh, that they'll split Brooklyn. Um, I I don't see either team winning three in a row. So you have so we're oh yeah we're still at the prediction of Sixers and six, right? That's what I'm going to go with. Um, I said Sixers and five with Embiid played. Um, that obviously was wrong. Uh, Embiid did play, but I'd still say Sixers and six. Okay, so we're we're there now. Uh, looking at the the Brooklyn side, um, in the third quarter, obviously it was a little weird. Kenny Atkinson didn't call a timeout when we went on that twenty-one to two run, um, and kind of blew the team open. Uh, you would think that maybe in like a hostile crowd like Philadelphia, and you got a young team, they would have done that. Maybe it was just he had faith in the players. He didn't do it. Um, he also mentioned before the game that I guarantee you game two, we'll see a Superman Joel Embiid, which he did. Uh, he's quoted after the game saying they dominated us in the paint, dominated uh, in on the boards. I do think that has a little bit to do with Ed Davis not being there. Do you do you agree? Yeah, Ed Davis is good at giving Joel Embiid fits. You know, he's, 
he's not as good talented as Embiid, but he plays well. He plays fundamentally sound basketball, and he's somebody you can never lose sight of, especially on the glass. Ed Davis will find a way to get the board, and I don't know what happened to him. Maybe maybe he got you know hand, foot, and mouth disease. Maybe he just wasn't in the rotation, but it does seem odd that he only played five minutes. Yes, it was very odd. Uh, so I, I attributing to maybe like an injury thing. I know he was in foul trouble in the beginning, but to only see five minutes was a little weird. And I, I, he was I don't... questionable for game two, and he had said he had a sprained ankle a couple days ago. Okay, so this was Sunday it came out. So he was playing with a sprained ankle okay. in game two, and it looks like he just couldn't 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 stay, couldn't play. Gotcha. Now, uh, did you see the uh, the video of um, Ben? I mean, not Ben of Joel uh, apologizing about the elbow. No, I didn't. So, okay. Well then for those that haven't seen the video and also for you, um, they asked him, it was Ben and Joel, uh, at the, uh, at the podium after the game. And, uh, they asked, uh, Embiid, uh, how did you feel about the flagrant? Did you feel that it was a flagrant? Um, he said, I wasn't surprised that I got a flagrant. I saw the replay he said, obviously, it wasn't intentional. I got him pretty good, and I'm sorry about it. When he said, I got him pretty good, and I'm sorry about it, uh, Ben Simmons started to laugh, which then made Embiid laugh for, like, a, it was, like, a total of, like, 10 seconds. Not, like, belly laugh, but, like, a, they couldn't stop. Like, you know, like, when you're getting yelled at, and it's just, like, kind of, for whatever reason, you just kind of laugh, like, kind of a nervous laugh. It's kind of like You know that. you did it, and you know the shit's fucking coming, and you're just going to sit there and take it. So what, you, what can you do but smile? Yeah, so then, so then after he's done laughing, he went, okay, I'm sorry about it. It wasn't intentional. I was just trying to be aggressive. And they noticed that Ben is still having a hard time not laughing. So Embiid clarified and said, uh, I'm not usually humble. And he points at Ben. That's why he's laughing, because that's true. When has Embiid ever apologized at the podium ever or to media ever? Uh, and he said, but, uh, yeah, I was just trying to be aggressive. So that created a whole thing online, um, with Nets fans and also people that just, you know, are anti Sixers or just neutrals in general saying, oh, they're laughing about the injury thing. But I honestly believe, I kind of believe, uh, I'm not saying that the move wasn't intentional. I do think that he mean that he meant to put a mean elbow in. I just didn't think he meant for it to hit his face, but I, uh, what's it called? Um, I don't believe that they were laughing at him almost injuring uh jared allen i do believe it's just because when does joel ever apologize but yeah i was just wondering if you had seen that's it. all it is and ben's just like yeah ben's just fucking around at this point and then like you know how like one idiot starts laughing and then the other idiot starts laughing and then you've got two idiots who can't stop each other from laughing yeah, yeah. they're not idiots but i mean you know they're, they're just clowning you know yeah. they're just the clown. and be and be made a play it was a dumb play it was a wrong play it was an accident and he was assessed the proper penalty. Most definitely. And so um, I, th- I think it'll be fine. I think hopefully it'll blow over. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you've been on RNBA or anything, but they do They do not like Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons. Not one bit. They, RNBA hates Ben Simmons. RNBA hates. They there's a lot hate of, Ben Simmons. There's a lot of circle jerk that goes on. Um, who else do they irrationally hate? Oh, Russell Westbrook gets hated on a lot for James for, Harden. Uh, yeah, they literally called James Harden Hitler over there. So I'm not too, <laughs> I'm not too concerned with what's going on with those guys. Although I do uh, enjoy RNBA streams, so shout out. Yes, yeah, shout out to RNBA streams. And uh, so, kind of looking around the league, there was another game last night. Well, I don't know if you know, 
but the Warriors. Yo, Boogie tore his fucking quad. Yes, Boogie tore his quad, which is unfortunate. And get well soon, Boogie. Uh, Again, it's it, yeah, it's it's better when you're out there. And uh, but Landry Shamit coming up in the clutch, making the clutch three with not much time left to put the Lakers up by two, capping a. Clippers. Clippers. Clay, Clippers, 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 sorry. Cap, putting the Clippers up by two, capping off a 31-point comeback by the uh, by the Clippers against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I don't know if you saw it or not, but seeing Landry make that shot was just... It not only made me feel so good, but it also made my heartache. But man, Landry's going to be good. And I just wanted to say that because shout out to Landry Shamit, man. I'm glad you're doing well over in uh, LA. It's It's great to see. Yeah, we missed Shamit very much, and good for him for balling out. I turned the game off. I thought it was over. I Me too. Dead. Me, I, I, I saw this after the fact. I was like, whoa, 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 wait, they, they won. I was so confused. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, shout out, shout out to to Sham God one time. Um, let's see here. We talked about Ben. We talked about Joe. We talked about uh, Coach. We talked about the Nets. Oh, so Jimmy Butler. Obviously, he did not. He wasn't as aggressive on the scoring end this time, um, but he was, as we mentioned, point Jimmy, and it showed on the stat sheet, finished with seven assists. Now, I know there's a lot of negativity that's surrounding Jimmy Butler as it pertains to how he handled his time, the end of his tenure in Minnesota with wanting to leave. I personally And you, Lord Thibodeau, (laughs) your rotations are shit. And then he got traded. And then he got traded. Yeah, what's the problem? It was it wasn't after ripping Wiggins' heart out or anything. It was when he said the rotations were trash. That's when he got traded. But uh, anyways, I I'm gonna admit Jimmy's kind of grown on me since he's been here. He definitely seems like a leader. He just seems like a guy that really wants to win. And you know, this could be. Is it partly because he you know he's gonna be a free agent and he might might know that not everybody's gonna offer him a max. He might want to seem as a appealing as possible to us that he could take joe and ben under their under his wing and give them that like you know uh kind of steer them uh with that dog in them that he has or or is it or is this the real jimmy butler uh i was just gonna say so how do you feel because like in this game he was encouraging his teammates after the first half saying come on we gotta lock in we got this he talked about how he appreciated how the coach handled stuff and he while he wasn't looking for his own shot, he still was making a difference out there on the court with his passing and uh, his defense. Um, and, you know, I feel with the way that the money set up, I wouldn't mind giving him a max contract if you asked me today. It's not to say I'll feel the same way tomorrow or however long from now. But today, me and Jimmy Butler are cool. I'm cool with you maxing that guy. How do you feel about Jimmy? I like when Jimmy Butler only has to score seven points. It means he's not having to do what he needed to in game one, which was keep the Sixers from getting completely donkey punched. Uh, when you, when Jimmy Butler scores seven points, it means that people are contributing. It means that Jimmy can facilitate and get others involved. And sometimes Brett, you know, will give Jimmy that little slap to the chin and says, Hey, Hey, go get yours. Go get yours. I need ISO Jimmy right now, but other times that you need point Jimmy, you need Jimmy to facilitate and get, you know, the shooters involved and the find, you know, the ability to pass, but then the ability just to pull up from mid range. And that's something that's kind of lost in the modern NBA, but you know, you kind of still see that with some of the older guys like KD, like Jimmy, who can still just rock the mid range. Oh, like sweet Lou Williams, who's got a yes. killer mid range game 
game and was another uh, big factor in arguably the biggest game of his life last night. But I'm, a, I'm, I'm on board with the Butler train. And regardless of what happens in this series, the next series, is I, I want them to sign Butler. I want them to sign Harris. And I want this to be the core. I, I think this is the opportunity to make your three-year run. Uh, Golden State looks vulnerable, but, you know, Golden State's probably going to win by like 60 next game. I also feel really bad for uh, Orlando tonight. They're going to get donkey. They're going to get really just slapped in the face by Toronto. After, Don't uh, say the that. One in our, uh, oh, no. no, but <laughs> no, but Orlando stole game one in uh, in Toronto. That's true. They and did what they needed to do. So it doesn't matter what happens tonight. They can afford to lose. Obviously, they're going to come out and they're going to play very tough, fundamentally sound basketball. Michael Carter Williams is going to be leading that bench unit, and I'm very Which is happy. So weird that. to say. <laughs> yeah, right. But you know, there's there's going to be a few games where you know some teams come back and it's like, all right, it's time for our statement. We're going to get a Toronto statement game tonight, and who else? Um, that's the only game that's ah. uh, the NBA. I games? think Oklahoma. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's first Oklahoma and tonight. Portland. Um, I'm pretty sure tonight. I'm not yeah. mistaken. Uh, good for McCollum and uh, uh, Dame Lillard uh, being written off in that series a little bit by with uh, Russ and uh, Paul George and then showing up. And then as soon as they, I remember they did that uh, interview after the game, he's like, uh, anything you'd like to say to Jennifer? And then McCollum just lost his shit. Yeah. For <laughs> he, fought, he, he, he was trying Jennifer and he did it. But it uh, so, yeah, the games tonight are Toronto, Orlando, uh, Denver, Denver and the Spurs, which I really That's want the Spurs to win. One. I really want really, the Spurs to win. Yeah, but it's so boring to watch. San Antonio basketball has been boring for like 23 years. I know they're good and they always show up and they never really make mistakes, but it's so boring to watch a Spurs game. Yeah, it is a little boring, but Derek White had a crazy dunk the last game. But anyway, so yeah, so we have we have Orlando, Toronto, Denver, uh, San Antonio, and we have Portland, Thunder. I uh, If you had to ask me, my ideal would be Magic uh magic spurs and trailblazers that would be me uh how how do you feel about the slate of games um couldn't care less about the west until the west coast finals uh and whoever the warriors are playing but i'd like to see the magic steal another one in toronto i don't think it would be crazy yeah i don't think it's gonna happen but can you imagine the circus if it did happen and orlando's only lost twice at home since the uh, all-star break so and their yeah, defense there's, there's, is suffocating. There's no reason to see why this yeah, series doesn't go six. My cousin lives in Tampa, but he's also a Magic fan because it's the closest basketball team. And he said it pretty early on. He's like, yo, if we make the playoffs, we're going to take anybody to six. And all they have to do at this point is not lose four in a row. And his prediction comes true. So I'll be rooting for the Magic. I'll be rooting for Vooch. Uh, Marco Fultz he might be there. But in any case... I think this is going to be a Kawhi statement game tonight. A statement that says, hey, Kawhi's going to join the Clippers or some shit. <laughs> that would be cr- So where do, you, where do you think he's going? We haven't talked about that in a, in a, in a moment. Do you, uh, I forget where you today, should. Today, the Clippers. If he had to Tomorrow, choose today, you'd, be, you'd think it's the Clippers. Yeah. I if, agree. If, he had, if, if, he's, if he's, you know, like can't beat the Magic in the East and the Clippers are a team on the uprise who can afford the max, Kawhi wants to go to LA, boom, Clippers. But there's there's so much that has to shake down. The Raptors still has to take care of the Magic. Uh, Kawhi still has to make his run with the Raptors first. Uh, and it'll basically be like even odds at that point. It'll be like, does Kawhi stay in Toronto or does he leave? It'll be like even odds to stay or go. Yep. 
Yep. So uh, that I, I we're on the same train there. And anything else really from the game? I feel like we kind of talk, talked about everything that uh, I wanted to talk about. Oh, well, so so game three, obviously, will be on Thursday night in Brooklyn. Thursday. In Barclay Center. Uh, they It should be a fun game. I expect sixers fans to travel uh only just because they always do when it's a game in brooklyn there'll be uh, there'll be sixers fans there but it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a pretty electric environment in brooklyn it should they be do you think they're gonna ball. do you think knicks fans are gonna be there in support of brooklyn uh knicks fans in support of brooklyn no uh but it's basically like you know it's like it's like manhattan bronx and then it's like queens brooklyn the rest kind of thing so you kind of tend to sort of see some, some of Jersey people. will definitely be there. Some of some Jersey fans still go to Brooklyn. Uh, it's really not that terrible to get there from Penn station. Uh, it's just one subway subway ride. Right. I, I, it, it's going to be a sellout. There's no doubt about it, but I, I think the, I think the Nets will have more of a home crowd than people are going to give them credit. And Sixers fans will still be able to make a little noise tonight, tomorrow, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Thursday yep. Uh, so it should, uh, it, sh- it should be, what a, are we going to uh, do until Thursday? I have no well. There's more playoff basketball tonight. We're we're gonna watch the Orlando Magic win. That's exactly what's gonna happen. Uh, I'll put the Spurs on and fall asleep. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So that's that's all I had. No uh, disrespect. They're they're uh, an exceptionally run franchise. Exactly. No no they're, disrespect they're, to the they're Spurs. They're a boring product to me. That's all. No disrespect to the Spurs. Uh, that it, that'll probably be it for us. I don't have anything else to add about the game. Do you? No, uh, just a, a good wake up call, and you know, go take care and of. We bounce back. Yep. If you're uh, gonna if you're gonna split in Brooklyn, try to do it in Game Three. Try to win Game Three, and then move forward in Game Four with a little bit of comfort, knowing that like, hey, like I'm not going to be going back to Philly down three one. But yes. one game at a time, just nice, easy road game. Fundamentally sound basketball, and the Sixers could win by ten. So, gut feeling for you then is that we win tomorrow. I'm going to say the Sixers win game three and drop four. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say actually that uh, this game three will end up being a lot like Miami game four last year, uh, where it was kind of close until the end. Uh, I think the Sixers will win. And I also think that they will win uh, pretty easily come the second half. Uh, I don't know, maybe as early as in the third as it was last game, but I don't know. I just kind of feel like, the Sixers will come and make a statement again, similar to the statement they made in Game Four of my of the Miami series last year, um, which was a super fun game all around. Uh, but yeah, okay, so we both have the Sixers winning once again. The game is tomorrow, uh, Thursday, Thursday at Barclay Center. Uh, make sure that you all tune in for that, and we will be back after that game. Uh, for Eric, I am Eddie. This was Top Three Protected. Please make sure that you uh, rate. Uh, and you subscribe and that you rate us. It helps out a lot. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we will see you guys next time. Later. Like he's going for the win. Butler heaves.